Welcome to the Mission City Church Podcast. My name is Jake Eichert, and I am the Community Groups and Creative Director at Mission City Church, as well as the host of this podcast. Each week, you can find full-length sermons, five-minute sermon breakdowns, and inspiring conversations with guests about discipleship, current events, local outreach, and more. Our mission as a church is to make Jesus known, and we pray that this podcast does just that for you. If it does, please subscribe and share. But for now, please enjoy this episode of the Mission City Church Podcast. Good morning. Oh, February. How many of you are really nervous about a week from today? Anyone just, all you think about is the Super Bowl? No? Cool. Me either. Um, just me, the only one. Awesome. Well, glad you guys are here. My name is Russell, uh, the lead pastor at Mission City, and uh, we have been in Philippians for, since the beginning of the year, which is cool. Uh, it's been, I don't know how it's been for you. Uh, for me, it's been kind of like a pleasant like just a nice kind of start to the year. Um, it is, if you've not spent much time with it, uh, it's definitely a book that, as it says below Philippians, to live is Christ. Like that's what life is about. Life is about Jesus. And he is what we get life. Like we, we find new life in, inside of him. We find forgiveness inside of him. And that he also knows the way to live. And so as followers of Jesus, like we want to pursue and run after Jesus with everything that we have. And so for me, it's been a, it's been a nice uh, reorientation or, or realignment is kind of what we talked about uh, last week as well. Like his rule, his way is the way forward. Uh, and he's, he is challenging, just to catch you up if you haven't been, he's challenging a, a, an area called Philippi, who is mostly uh, Roman nationalists, and he's challenging him with this idea that, that, that Caesar is not Lord, that Jesus is Lord. And that, again, like, it's not necessarily Caesar's way. It is Jesus's way, that Christ is supreme. And, and for a group of people who were incredibly uh, passionate about being Roman citizens, this would have been a challenging thing. This would have been a challenging thing, and this would have been a subversive thing for them. Uh, and, and, and in some ways, like, we live in a very similar time, uh, not necessarily with Roman nationalism, but there's very much so different ideologies that people in our cultural hold to, uh, and sometimes those ideologies went out over following Jesus, and we, as, as 21st century followers of Jesus, have a choice to make about whether we are going to be allegiant, alle- have our allegiance to Jesus or allegiant, uh, have our allegiance for something else, because to live is Christ for us. Uh, and so last week, we talked about Philippians chapter 2, the beginning of chapter 2, about having the mind of Christ and, and uh, counting others better than ourselves, which does not come naturally to me. Like, I personally want to count myself a little bit greater than all of you. Now, I would never say that out loud because that's rude. But if you really got inside my head, I would go, yep, yep, I'm, uh, you think you're better than me? Yeah, I do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, and so I really am uh, trying, as a follower of Jesus, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to battle that. I'm trying to intentionally count others uh, greater than myself because my default is to put myself or elevate myself above others and oftentimes to elevate myself above the way of Jesus or what, what, God, what God is telling me to do. And so we talked about realigning to, you know, an understanding that, 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 that humility is what it says, having the mind of Christ. It's talking about being humble, uh, 
humility is this idea of having the right understanding of who God is and who I am. And so if I realign, it's God is at the top of this, this thing, and then there's others, and then there's me. And so today, uh, Paul is going to talk, and he's going to continue talking about what does it look like to grow our faith, which... Uh, if you are a follower of Jesus, uh, which that's what we are, we're a community that makes Jesus known, so we are a community pursuing Jesus, we want to know Jesus, we want to follow Jesus, we want to share Jesus with every person around here. If you are a part of this community, and you're, you are, you say you're a follower of Jesus, at some point in your life, if not every January, or every birthday, or every sometime, you might have this idea of asking like, hey, this year, 2023 is going to be the year I grow in my faith. This year is going to be the, the, the year that this happens. I'm going to grow spiritually. So what does, it look lo- what does it look like to grow spiritually? I think that's a good question to ask yourself. Like, when I look at my life, what has been the biggest catalyst for growth in my walk with Jesus? Like, if you look at your own life, has there been a season that is, is greater or there was more growth than, than, than others? Uh, for me, I can tell you one of the, the greatest seasons of, my, of growth in my life um, was when I was actually a teenager. I was 15 years old. I was a sophomore in high school, and I was in a small group. Uh, we called them uh, D groups, Jake, discipleship groups, similar to ours. Jake doesn't like to call them D groups, which is fine. But uh, I grew up, uh, we have discipleship groups here, but I was in a, you know, th- it was a, we had a leader, and we had four high school guys that were in it, and that year together we decided to, uh, pursue uh, Jesus together for 12 months. That's how long that group was together. And we grew because we decided we were going to spend time with Jesus uh, like six or five, five to seven days a week. We were going to spend time with one another and challenge one another. We were going to confess like sin, things that were not of God in our lives, sin to one another. We were going to try to hold each other accountable. And it was one of the biggest seasons of growth. Uh, and, and we had a great leader too who spent time and invested in us and modeled for us what it looked like to follow Jesus. And so sometimes those are intentional groups of people who come together and they, they push each other to be better. Uh, it's, uh, in, in the NFL, they have things called coaching trees, if you follow that. Uh, and those, a lot of times you'll look back and see that this certain coaching tree has yielded excellent coaches uh, because they were all in the same room. If you even go back like 25, 30 years, it was like the same five dudes that were all under the same guy, which is crazy. Uh, th- if you're not into f- sports, which is fine. Uh, if you think about the computer industry, uh, isn't it like, wha- I- I'm not, so correct me if I'm wrong. You can make fun of me not knowing this, but uh, when the computers came out, there was a lot of dudes hanging out in a lot of garages kind of all around the same area. Is that right? Can I get nods? I'm, I'm looking at John Jacobs to help me. Thank you. But like they were all kind of together pushing one another. So sometimes that happens uh, as well. Sometimes it's seasonal, like you have a season of high challenge or a season of hardship. Like I've actually looked back at some of my hardest seasons of life and seen the most growth. Now, if you said, hey, do you want to go through that again? I'd say, no, no, thank you, sir. Um, I do not want to have another. But uh, I will say the growth that is yielded on some of those suffering times or those hard seasons is pretty amazing. And again, sometimes it's a person. Sometimes it's, it's you just have done it. And so what, 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 think of your own life. Where have you seen the most growth in your own life? And if you don't have an answer, that's okay. It could be this next one. Like that could be the thing forward for you. I think another question to maybe evaluate is, is and find some outliers is what, what are seasons of where, where there's low growth spiritually? Like what are the characteristics of a season that you've walked through where you go like, I really haven't grown 
with the Lord. I have not grown. I am the same person that I was a year ago, or I'm the same person that I was two years ago. And so it brings us to kind of what we're talking about today, what the passage is going to talk about in Philippians chapter 2, which should be our first point right here, which is this. Mr. Soren, uh, that's the first passage, first point, not the verse. There he is. I have a responsibility in my spiritual growth journey, which is very simplistic, okay? You're like, wow, that was really deep, Russell. It's not. But you have a, you have a responsibility in, uh, in your spiritual growth journey, but I, I put it in the first person because I wanted you to read it as, as, as something that you're saying about yourself. I have responsibility in my spiritual growth journey. You have responsibility in your spiritual growth journey. What I'm not saying and what this passage is not saying that God isn't working in it, but the passage that we're talking about today, which is a, somewhat of a coffee mug, like famous kind of line that you hear in the Bible as is talking about working out your salvation with fear and trembling as well. So let's actually go to that. Philippians 1 verse 12 says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, right? And he says, For it is God who works in you, both to the will and to work for his good pleasure. So he says, hey, whether I'm here or not, obey. And, uh, and you see that, like Paul's actually a little bit concerned about this. One, he wants to visit them, like he longs to be with them because he loves the church at Philippi. He really has a passion for them and for them to grow and, and, and their growth. But not, if I'm not here, like I want you to still obey. In my absence, be the same person. Don't just put on your best behavior because the teacher or the apostle or the coach is around. Obey because Christ is everything. His way is best. I, I This is the kind of athlete I was, by the way, growing up. I wasn't great at sports, but I always gave my best effort when the coach was watching me. And the rest of the time, I was goofing off. And you know what? There's a reason why I never saw the field. That's what it was. (laughs) But I'd be like, oh, the coach is right there. i got to pay attention, right? And I'd be really focused. But, you know, the good athletes, which some of you were probably good athletes, you were like, no, you were focused all the time, which uh, that's kind of what Paul's saying. Like, hey, like, don't just put on your best behavior because I'm around. Obey Jesus because you love Jesus, because you agree with me that to live is Christ, to, to be loyal and to be faithful to God because he is everything. He is everything. And he modeled everything for us by laying down his life for us, dying and rising again so that you can have life. And then he says this, this work out your salvation, work your own salvation out with fear and tripling. That's a, that's a, that's a, a nice verse. Now, I do want to say the end of this verse could go on a coffee mug. You could put it on, on a board somewhere and it, w- whatever you want to do. But, but what does it mean to work out your own salvation? That's a good question because some people will, will connect this to the saving work of Jesus and, and meaning in the forgiveness of sins and, and conquering evil and death. I don't think that's what the context of this passage is talking about. If you, if you look at the beginning of this, this sentence, it, it's, it's actually talking about obedience. And so this verse can be misunderstood to think that Paul is referring to salvation here in, in a sense of like, hey, like, have you put your faith in Jesus to save you from your sins, to save you from death, to save you from evil, and, and so forth. Now, now, we believe, if you want to write down Ephesians 2, that we are saved by grace through faith. It is a gift of God. It's a, it, we are saved because of God's gift to us, and our response to that is to believe, to have faith in Jesus and his death and resurrection as well. And so God saves, we believe. It's a beautiful gift in Jesus. It's not, even Paul will say, it's not, for, uh, it's not, not because of works. Like, he'll even use that word, 
works. And so this verse is actually talking about the Christian life. It's talking about your spiritual growth. It's talking about your, your another big Christian word that sometimes people like to use. It's, it's talking about this word called sanctification, which is the process of becoming more like Jesus. And so the, oftentimes the word salvation can also be used in what we theologically would call sanctification, which is, again, you're like, that's a big word. Why are you saying that? Which is to, uh, to become more like Christ. Or, or after you have put your faith in Jesus, the Christian life is about transformation of your old self dying and your new self in this lifetime becoming more and more like Christ. And so this verse is about your, your spiritual journey. It's about your spiritual growth that is centered on obedience and is, is rooted in the fear of God, which is humility, understanding that, that his way is best, and I'm going to yield to him in reverence, just like this holy surrender to him as well. And so how do we do this? How do you work out your salvation? How do you take responsibility for your spiritual growth? Uh, and it, you do it by living out the, the principles of the kingdom. So one of them is spiritual practices. Like if I said, hey, what do good Christians do? Shout out some things that good Christians do because that's what we like to talk about. What do you do? What do you do? What are some nice spiritual practices that you know when you go to church that you feel bad about because you don't do them enough? What do you do? You pray, yeah, yeah, we pray, that's a good one, we should pray, that's a great spiritual practice. What's another one? Read your Bible, come on people, read your Bible. What, what else? Fasting, yeah, you have all these, what was this one over here? Sabbath, yeah, you should have a Sabbath. Uh, actually, we don't do that in the United States, we just work seven days a week, no Sabbath, no rest, <laughs> we'll rest when we die. <laughs> you should Sabbath though, Tommy, write it down, all right? <laughs> Uh, I love you too, Tommy. Welcome back. <laughs> no, uh, but we, we, we know these things, and, and spiritual practices are a way, they're a way, um, in, other, in other traditions, they'll call them means of grace, because they don't like to use the word practice, but they don't, they, 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 they're careful with the word works. But that idea is, these positions, I'm going to posture myself in ways where God can meet me and work in my life. And so a guy that we really like around here is a guy named John Mark Comer. He was a pastor of a church in, uh, in Seattle, or excuse me, in Portland, and now he is, uh, he started a ministry called Practicing the Way. Uh, and so it's all about spiritual disciplines. And that's what he focuses on. He's, and he's working on spiritual practices of prayer, of uh, reading your Bible, of silence and solitude, which a lot of us don't, that's, a, that's not one that I grew up in. Like that wasn't one of the, that wasn't one of them that like when you said, hey, what's a spiritual practice? It was two, it was prayer, and it was reading your Bible. And if you didn't do those two things, then just move along. Like those are the only two. Um, but his idea, and I would really encourage you to point you to him because we've talked about him before, but his idea is like we want to be with Jesus. He has three ideas. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. Like it's one of his most basic understandings of spiritual practices. We want to be with Jesus. We want to create rhythms and spaces where we can be in God's presence because we are, when we are in God's presence, he's, it's transformative. When we spend time with God, you might be like, I'm just reading my Bible. That's great, but you're reading a, a, a piece of uh, a, a, a book that's been inspired by God to communicate with human beings to point you to himself. And that's an amazing thing. To prayer is, is, is not only just me talking to God, it's interactions where I can actually dialogue with the creator of the universe, that God is not some God that's so far off. He's close, like he's, he's close to us where we can have relationship with us. And so be with Jesus is a way to do it. And, and the, what I would say to you is 
what what is in this next season if you want to if you want to take responsibility of spiritual growth some of you are probably doing this great but maybe it's like hey take some time and ask god pray ask god what what spiritual practices he wants you to grow in this season if you're like hey i haven't grown in a while ask him it might be sabbath what Stephen just shouted out it might be something else uh, and then do it. Just put a plan and do it. Uh, tell a friend, hey, I'm going to take four, and you, you know, I don't have a whole day. Cool. Take four hours, Friday night until Saturday morning. You know, have a great dinner with some friends. Uh, spend some time praying and then wake up, read your Bible, have breakfast and go about your day. Tell someone you're going to do it. Maybe invite them to be a part of it and see how it goes. So be with Jesus. And then there's the, the transformative part, uh, which, which, which comes by being in his presence, that we want to change the way that we see the world. Like we naturally, like I said, we naturally will put ourselves above everything else. So we naturally need to realign ourselves to the way of Jesus. We naturally need to realign ourselves to the way, of us, the way that Christ has called us to. And so in our decision-making, in the way that we work, in the way that we lead our families, and the way we hang out with our friends, and the way that we date, and the way that we do these things, we need to make sure that it's coming under the rule and reign of Jesus. And so are we willing to submit to that? Because we, again, to live as Christ. Christ, it's about him as well. And then uh, at the end of it, it's not, just, it's not just theoretical. It's not just a classroom setting. It's not just I have the cognitive understanding of this, it becomes, it comes action. It becomes I'm doing what Jesus did. I'm, I'm putting it into practice. So that's it, the, the spiritual practice piece. We also have three kind of major, there's more, there's more than that, but three big verses, uh, go-to verses. If you say, hey, what's the Christian life about? I'd say this. Number one, uh, the great commandment, which Jesus is, says in Matthew 22, to love God with, with your whole self. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. The Great Commission, which is to go and make disciples, which he's called us to go, to share the good news and to others that Jesus is Lord. Uh, and then three, uh, which not a lot of people add, but we like this one at Genesis 1, is that you are a human being created in the, in the image of God, given responsibility to rule and reign the world that God has given you, uh, put you in. And so those are the three. That's what it looks like to, to live out the, the principles of the kingdom. So that's what, that's what working out your salvation is, being with Jesus, working out, becoming a citizen of his kingdom, of continuing to submit to his way. And a very practical thing is, is like, where, where is my, what, how is God or wanting me to grow and working out my salvation and humility as well? So Verse 13 continues, we put that, that slide back up if you don't mind, Mr. Soren, thank you very much. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, so God works in you, which is great news for you, by the way, that God is working in you. Uh, and now this, will, this, this one always goes, all right, so he just told me to work out my salvation, but then God says for, that it's God that's doing the work in me, so am I just a robot that's just being moved around by God? And so I don't think that's true, I don't think that what this is saying, but it is, it is good that there is that God is working in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So this word, to work in you and to will, this, this has this connotation of this word energize in Greek. Uh, and so when I hear the word energize, I don't know what comes to your mind, but this is what comes to my mind. Anyone? Anyone? Right away? If you, yeah, I was talking to Jake and Ryan earlier trying to figure out if I was an early millennial or just right smack in the middle and I found out that th no reason no wonder I, I, I don't like to work very hard I'm just I'm just a straight millennial I'm just making fun of us all together I like to work hard just fine but if you grew up in the 90s what did you see you saw this commercial and this homeboy just going to town right banging his drum uh because he's the energizer bunny everyone know who this is 
We all know? Praise God. Okay, so Energizer Bunny. And uh, what does Energizer sell? Batteries. Great job. You guys are so smart. So, uh, yeah, so, but I think about this is, I, I uh, for a long time, we didn't really have batteries at my house. You know why? Because my stuff was battery powered on its own. Like my cell phone, it has its own battery. I have a, a charger. But you know when you get batteries is when you start having a toddler, okay? It's, it's amazing how many batteries one needs when one has a toddler. And also how nothing comes with batteries. You know what I mean? You'd think 20 years from now, I, I know, I sound like my dad and my grandfather at the same time. Christmas morning, we don't have enough batteries to start any of your Christmas presents, Russell. Great, awesome, I'll wait till next week. All right, but, but my, 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 and you know what the best thing about battery-powered things is when the batteries go missing, oh, or they die, and we don't have any more, because that means, you know what it is? It means there's silence, and it's beautiful in my home. All right, so, but, uh, this, uh, a, a battery, what is it does? It's a, it's a power source for whatever it is. It, we have walkie-talkies at our house, and so we, we have, they need four batteries, and if they have four batteries, it's empowered. It is energized to make this thing move. And I, I, I think this is great imagery for what God does. Is he energizes us. He, he gives us the power to accomplish these things as well. And so without him, it's not going to work. And so God energizes you and I, uh, your will by his spirit. And without God working in us and energizing us, it's futile. It doesn't, it is, it's, it's, it's nothing good. And then you might, the other thing you might get tripped off is, is if you've not been in the church for a long time is for his good pleasure, right? That's what he says. He does this for his good pleasure. Like that seems pretty selfish, God. Like you, why, like I'm not allowed to do that, but why are you allowed to do that? Well, the, the reality is, is that God can do this because his good pleasure is actually good. Like like, he is perfect. He, his way is good. Like, he is, his essence is good. And so, for us, like, his good pleasure is also good for you. It's, it's great. And so, it's not a selfish thing. It's actually what we ultimately want as well. And so, very simple question. Again, this is not profound, but like, how are you working out your salvation? Like, are you taking time to work out your salvation and also realizing that God is going to energize, like this gives us, this should build our faith that God is energizing us uh, to working, working in us as well. How actively are you growing your faith? Because you have a responsibility. And I will say this, so I'm, I'm 35 years old. I oftentimes want to put my spiritual growth, I like to blame other people for why I'm not growing. And this is like, this is, a, this is, this is, this is real. Like I, I, and I've been around a lot of young people. Like young people, how, what, what, what am I doing? Oh, don't say that. Oh, sorry. I've been around a lot of, lot of, lot of people who, um, sorry, really tripped me up. Uh, what is wrong with you, Russell? Uh, I've been around a lot of people, and I do, and, and they blame people for why they haven't grown. Well, I don't have the right mentor. I don't have the right this. I don't have the right that. And that might be true. But you have responsibility. Now, again, I, I, I don't like to separate us too much and say, like the church has done so, so much to say, hey, it's your growth, it's your spiritual walk, it's all this stuff too. Like, and, and there's no communal, there's no, there's no corporate responsibility. Like we're one all together in Christ. We still are that. But for you to be the best, you know, part of the body of Christ, like you have a responsibility to grow spiritually. And when you are at your best and when you are growing, uh, it is huge. Also too is uh, the, another mistake I've made is I've, I've thought and looked for the perfect mentor. Like I've looked for the perfect person 
to fulfill all of my needs that I absolutely need so I can grow spiritually. And what I've realized, that person doesn't exist. And like, and you might be like, I, if I just had the right coach, if I had the right mentor, if I had the right person, maybe. But that person at some point will lack in some other areas. And so in the same way, like you need a, you need a collective of wisdom around you that someone's th- that's going to encourage you, someone that's going to challenge you, someone that can tell you no, someone that's going to be your friend, someone that's going to... to, to to, to be there along the way with you as well. And so that's been my experience. So, so I want to encourage you. I want to say to you, like, if you, it's been a while since you've grown and maybe you've had a season of, like, a great leader who was awesome for you, that is, that's great. But guess what? I want to push you to say, like, you have responsibility, and I want you to take up that responsibility and to work out your salvation with fear and trembling as well. So I have responsibility uh, f- t- uh, in my spiritual growth. And then secondly is this, is that we have responsibility in the spiritual growth of others. Is that, that's kind of where he goes as well. And so verse 14, he says this, he says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. So hey, do like live in your life. Hey, don't, don't argue, don't grumble. Uh, there's disputes among them as well. Jake kind of highlighted a couple weeks ago the differences in that community. And, um, and honestly, uh, like I, if you if you heard all the different people, you can go back and listen to that section that he talked about. Uh, you would realize that they would have arguments because the differences of people that were there, men, women, uh, soldiers, different people like that, business people, uh, they would have disagreements. Uh, but that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be poured out that I did not run in vain or labor in vain as well. And so what he's trying to position them for is he's trying to set up the church in Philippi to be that he uses the phrase, I want you to shine as lights in the world, uh, juxtaposed against a crooked and twisted generation. He's saying, hey, there's a world out there that is crooked and twisted and that is in darkness that does not know Jesus. And I want to make a distinction about this. I want this Christian community to have a distinction about it to this crooked generation. So no grumbling, disputing, uh, unity in mind. We just talked about that last week, having one mind, the mind of Christ together, caring for others better than themselves. Jake said this two weeks ago as well, a community with one spirit, one mind, striving together fearlessly to make Jesus known. To live is Christ. To live is Christ. Life is about Jesus. And together, like he is the ultimate thing that we're pursuing together to know relationally, to know uh, together collectively, and also for those who are outside of our community who have not yet heard the good news of Jesus to find it as well. Uh, it is not an escape. That's another thing too, is like we're not s- pulled out or we're not saved so that we can escape the rest of the world. God has kept us in this world so that we could shine as lights in the world. This, th- when I he- see that imagery uh, for me, to shine like lights, reminds me of a couple things. Number one, it reminds me of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus, on the Sermon on the Mount, he says that you are the light of the world. You are sitting on a, on a, on a hill. And there, there is this that Paul is picking up a little bit of this theme that, that yes, like they have a responsibility. But they're going to shine into the dark world as well. Another origin of this passage, because Paul, being a Pharisee, would have known the Hebrew Bible better than the average guy along the way. Is this? He might have known it better than anyone. But uh, it also is a direct correlation between Daniel 12. Daniel 12, uh, you know the book of Daniel if you grew up in the church. Daniel and the lions did then. 
uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those are stories in Daniel's from our childhood that we love. If you watch the Veggie Tales, they pop into popcorn, which is really cool. Um, if you didn't, that's okay. <laughs> uh, guess none of you watch Veggie Tales. Cool. Uh, but uh, but it's quoting this, and at the end of Daniel 12, there's a prophecy about it. Daniel is also like about dreams, and it's also about it's one of the apocalyptic literatures in the Old Testament, meaning it talked about the end times and it talked about the revelation of God. And so this is about the end times, and this is what Daniel 12:3 says. He says, "And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above." But look at what, it, what they do. And those who turn many to righteousness, like the stars forever and ever. And so what is, what is Paul trying to get at? He's trying to get at, hey, t- together, this church, together, we're going to have the mind of Christ, caring about God, living as he is the most important thing, that he is Lord. We're going to live together and, and, and count others more important than ourselves. We're not going to have grumblings among us, disputes among us. We're going to be working out and growing spiritually together in community so that we can shine like lights to the world around us, so that many... like so that many turn to righteousness, so that many would turn to the righteous one who is Jesus Christ, and that they would find life in him, that this is manifested in the person of Jesus. And so there's a, there's a calling that to not just, not just exist as a follower of Jesus, but to passionately pr- pursue and to shine into this world so that more people will know him. And so that's a part of growing spiritually too, that's a part of your faith journey, too. That's a part of your responsibility, too, that we have responsibility for the spiritual growth of others. And that starts with sharing the good news, that Jesus is Lord, and that his way is better than any other way as well. And so this community would work out salvation and shine like lights. And so let's look at verse 16 as we kind of wrap up. I'm going to invite Evan to come back up and Tommy to come back up. And I already read 16. So he says, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be, poor, uh, pro- be proud that I did not run in vain and labor in vain. And keep going to verse 17, please. Uh, Even if I am poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. And so this is, this is kind of an interesting ending to me. I don't know, when I read that, I was like, Paul, like, I don't, this is, again, this is really internal talk. Like, why, Paul? Like, why are you making this not about you but like why are you saying this and um anyone ever uh enter their name into the hgtv home sweepstakes like every year (laughs) thank you thank you (laughs) you all should look at this house right here come on right i mean all they're doing is selling your information what's the worst that could happen So this is the 23, 23 house. It's somewhere in Colorado. You get a Jeep, which I would sell, of course. But anyway, uh, but um, I, I, for whatever reason, I don't always do it, but every time I remember it and I'm like, oh, you know what, I'll do it one time just to see what happens. Uh, I haven't won yet, by the way, guys. <laughs> I'll let you know if I do. We'll have a big party, okay? Um, but but honestly, um, Imagine you're, you're in construction, which some of you are, and you have these grand, grand schemes for a home. Like, this is a beautiful home, right? And you have, um, you have uh, architect work on it. You, you start laying the foundation, uh, and the project's going really, really well. Uh, but you have to go on to something else. 
for whatever reason, circumstances of life, you have to move on. Um, and you have to entrust, which might seem terrifying, other people to continue the work on your behalf, to follow out the plan and to, to continue working as well. And so what this is, what the last three verses of this is really about is that Paul has laid the foundation in Philippi. Like he's preached the gospel. He has started a church and they're, they're working out their salvation, building up this foundation. And he's given them everything they need because, because ultimately they have Jesus. They, like, they have, they're energized uh, by the, the work and will of God. Uh, and I found, and, 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 uh, and so what this is making me thought about is, as, as I think about this is that each of us, if we are followers of Jesus, there's been a, loun- a foundation poured in our lives uh, by someone. Someone has shared the gospel with us. Someone has spent time developing us. Maybe you, you do have a mentor that has, has meant a ton to you, and they have, they, have, they have laid tons of foundation. They've built uh, and started some incredible things uh, inside, of, in, inside of you. And Paul is, is, and what I'm thinking is saying, and, and, and the just of this whole, uh, this whole section is that he's saying, hey, don't stop. Like, don't stop working on what God is doing, what stop is building. It, it makes me even think of very early on that, like, what he talks about at the beginning of this book. He says, God's going to complete the work that he's doing inside of you. God's going to keep working inside of you. He, he's going to keep working and building inside of you. And so it made me think about this is because, like, this church is indebted to Paul. And so for us, like, as a church, if you think corporate church, like, we're indebted to a church called Grace Church. There's three campuses that are south of us that planted us. Who's indebted to a church called Graceway, which is in, um, I don't know where Graceway is, but it's in Kansas City. Um, And they're indebted to someone else who's laid the foundation for them. And so as you think about growing spiritually and as you think about taking some responsibility of working out your salvation and humility and fear and trembling is consider maybe even today of thanking the person who laid the foundation for you of taking the time to to say thanks for thanks for praying for me thanks for spending time with me text them and thank them Uh, because because here's the thing is that your thanks may spark something inside of them that will encourage them to keep going that will encourage them to keep pushing forward, encourage them to keep discipling, encourage them to keep uh, growing in their own faith. Maybe they're in a dark season today and they need your encouragement to remember the goodness of God today and you can build on their foundation because that's what the church does. We, we connect and we align together. I think the other thing is, is as you, you, you are growing in your faith is who are you laying the foundation for, for uh, who are you laying a foundation for in their faith? So if you have kids, like this is, this is, this is, that's a no-brainer. Like, that's it. For me, it's Maisie. And Cassie, it's me and Maisie. For Cassie and I, it's Maisie. Like, we want to lay a spiritual foundation for her, but it's also for other people in our, that, that, that come into my life. Like, I intentionally, about every six months, will ask God in prayer. I say, Lord, is there, a, is there people that you want me to spend time with? And again, it's, you might be like, I don't have the time for it. I don't have all this stuff. It's like, I meet with these people once a month for 45 minutes. And yes, do I have to, do sometimes we miss it, sometimes a lot, yes, but it's like it's building a foundation, it's, 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 it's participating together and growing spiritually, not just, not just to have a, a nice house, but put that picture of that house again, so that we can be, this looks like it's on a hill, maybe not, but so we can be a city on a hill that shines bright into the dark world. Like the purpose of this is, is it becomes missional. So that those who are far from God would come and know Jesus. And so we keep building until Jesus comes back because we are the redeemed 
And we who are made alive press on to the day of Jesus and call others to come back to God. So you have a responsibility for your own spiritual growth, and we have a responsibility for others. God is and will energize you, your efforts along the way, for his will and for his good pleasure and for his glory. So let me pray for us, and then we'll continue in worship. So Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives, that you do work in our lives, that you energize us, God, that you put the batteries inside of us so that we can go and we can be transformed. And right now, God, I do pray for our community as we are asking this question of, of how are you calling me to grow spiritually, God? It might, be, it might be the classics, you know? It might be to pray more, and it might be to, to spend time with you through reading your Bible, which are amazing. It might be something that we've never done, like a Sabbath or a solitude and a busy life where screens dominate everything, just taking five minutes just to sit and be in your presence and do nothing else. It might be that we're, we're growing and we are, we, we are ready just to invest in someone else and we're ready to take responsibility for other parts of this church. And so, God, we, we, you would just put people in our hearts right now, God, of people that we can spend time with to invest in, to lay a foundation, to, to build walls, to build roofs. And God, even and so that we would, we would shine bright to those who don't know you. And so, God, even now, as we think about this, God, would you put lost people in our in our hearts right now who don't know you? Put neighbors and friends, coworkers, family members, a people that you want us to have spiritual conversations with, not 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 crush them with trying to con- convince them or argue with them. But God, you just give us wisdom and discernment on how to, how, how to let your light shine through us into the, the darkness they may be living in. And so, God, would you move today as we respond? We love you. We praise you because life is about you. To live is Christ, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we finish today, uh, if you're new to Mission City, so we respond in a couple ways. We'll sing a couple songs together. Uh, as well, there are also people that would, uh, in the back two corners of the room, that would love to pray with you. Uh, you'll also notice in the back, uh, kind of in the little cubbies areas, there's, there's communion tables that are set up that we take communion every single week. Uh, because life is about Christ, we hope and we, wanna, we want the end or, or, or the focal point of our, our, our time together to be remembering and celebrating his death and his resurrection. That his body broken, his blood shed for us so that we could know him, so that we were once in darkness, now we are in light because of Jesus as well. And uh, he is the one that energizes us and empowers us. And so uh, as you see fit, maybe take some more time and pray and ask the Lord what he wants to do in this next season. Create a plan. Don't Don't just have a moment and just walk away. Like actually like think and let God work in your life. And then again, work it out. Like be willing to walk it out. Be willing to do the work that is required that God might be stirring each day, and he'll empower you along the way. So God, if you would stand with me as we, 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 we pray and move into a time of worship and singing. So Lord Jesus, God, would you move in our midst? God, would you speak? God, we, we believe that you can speak to us, God, that you, you're close enough to give us discernment and prompts in our minds and our thoughts. So God, would you do that today? If someone is doesn't know Jesus, God, that you would... Uh, that we, they would maybe go to someone in the back that would love to pray with them or come talk to me after the service. We'd love to chat with them as well. God, we love you, God. And uh, may we work out our salvation in fear and shibbling. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mission City Church Podcast. 
Mission State Church is a non-denominational church in Mission, Kansas. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Merriam Community Center off Slater Street between Johnson Drive and Shawnee Mission Parkway. We also have five community groups that meet throughout the KC Metro. If you live in the Kansas City area and would like more information, please visit our website at missioncitykc.com or send me an email at jake at missioncitykc.com.